right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Course of Action. Today, my guest is Avanti Sintre, the number one international best-selling author of the Van Ops series. She's been compared to the work of Dan Brown and Clive Cussler, and I tell you what, I downloaded the first couple of chapters of one of her books off her website today, and it is action-packed from just the first, I think, six pages. So, uh, Avanti, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I'm really happy to be here, and you've got a fantastic podcast, so I appreciate being here. Yeah. yeah, appreciate that very much. And I have to say, um, uh, although you know, until recently, I haven't heard of you, but now I, I put the books on my to-do list list and my my wish list on Amazon because I was like, oh wow, these are awesome sound books. You know, Tomb Raider meets Da Vinci Code with tons of action, and of course, like I said, I downloaded the. Uh, first couple of chapters off the website today and I was like, okay, it's absolutely number one international bestselling for a reason. I see it. <laughs> it takes a while to get your name out there. It really does. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think um, I've been getting tons of positive feedback. I've won a surprising amount of literary awards. I think I'm up to nine now and just humbled by that. And um, just uh, recently had a sale with uh, the Doomsday Medallion and it broke the top 100 in Canada and Australia for the first time um, and almost hit the top 100 in uh, in Kindle um, also broke the top 100 in Barnes and Noble. So I'm just overwhelmed by the, by the fan support and uh, just appreciate everybody who, who enjoys my work. That's awesome. And, and to be mentioned in the same company as Dan Brown and Clive Cussler is amazing. Uh, just on its own is, is a huge, huge compliment. It really is. Those guys have been around, um, you know, Clive, uh, may his soul rest in peace. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, it, it honors me to be mentioned with those guys and um, James Rollins and Steve Barry as well, who were both kind enough to blurb uh, the Lost Power. Um, it's uh, it's it's one of those you know pinch yourself, dreams come true kind of thing to to have your work compared to um, uh, pillars of the genre. Absolutely. So your books have been described as Tomb Raider meets the Da Vinci Code with intrigue, history, science, mystery, and of course, pulse-pounding action all into one. But you weren't always just a writer. You didn't have that niche quite down yet. You, at one point, were in Silicon Valley, correct? I was. I was an executive for Hewlett Packard for a number of years. And um, yeah, no, it was one of those things. I'm one of those writers that always wanted to write. Uh, I remember learning to read when I was super young and thinking, oh my gosh, you know, these authors are my heroes and the characters were my best friends. And I'd go down to the bookmobile and return with just stacks of books every week. Um, and just knew I wanted to be a writer, but when uh, I was in high school thinking about what am I going to go to college for, uh, there was um, a, a lot of family discussion about pursuing something a little more practical, and I was always good at science and math, and computers were just starting to um, become popular, and so I attended one of the first um, computer programs at Purdue University, and have over 20 years doing a lot of different IT types of things. Um, but uh, I had the opportunity to travel when I was in my 20s and was, 
you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I just really want to write. And I remember, you know, having a sketchbook and I had the backpack and we were tromping all over the place. And I remember, you know, sitting on some beaches thinking, okay, I really want to write, but I just, I didn't have the story, you know, I just couldn't think about it. And so I sort of consciously put it on the back burner and thought, you know, I just need a little more life experience first before I really know what I want to write about because, I can write, but it's it's got to be a good story um, to make it to make it worth to make it worthwhile. You know, I don't just sit down and and enjoy writing, you know, grocery lists. You know, I want it to be a story that's going to move somebody. You know, it's either going to give them an adrenaline rush or it's going to make them think about something they hadn't thought about before. You know, it's got to be it's got to be worth it. Um, so finally, uh, um, I had a health scare. Uh, in 2013 and I thought hmm you know you start looking at that bucket list and start looking at your own mortality and you go okay so what do I want to do where do I want to go what do I want to really accomplish before the Grim Reaper comes calling and being um, an author was right up there at the top of the list and so at that point I had a much better idea Um, you know the Da Vinci Code had been out for a number of years and the genre was really um, getting a lot of steam and I thought you know that that combination of being able to use the ancient the the ancient historical threats um in in modern society uh you know because i've always been fascinated by philosophy and religion and mysticism and you know the east meets west kind of stuff and so to be able to use that um in in a novel um also you know all of the experience that i got as an executive uh, learning about people you know and what motivates people and being able to draw rich characters i thought you know, I think I finally got enough experience under my belt to be able to to write. And so that's when I, I started to put my pen to paper. So what is your uh, writing process like when you sit down? Um, now that you're an established author and you go, okay, I have to move the story forward. How do you do that? Do you write a big outline or kind of how you do it? Because I talked to Kyle Mills back at VoucherCon in September. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I just, I sit down and I just write outlines, usually 25 to 30,000 words. And I was like, holy crap, that's a lot of words. But he's like, yeah, and I just wake up one day and I just decide to, you know, start writing on a chapter. And that's how I do it. And how, how is your writing process when you're developing work? So I'm a little bit more left-brained. Um, I definitely do the outline. And w- when um, I started, I spent probably almost a year working on the outline for that first book um, because I wanted, um, I had, I had been studying story structure. It's not like I hadn't been uh, thinking about writing, you know, for those, you know, 30 or 40 years in between when I wanted to be a writer and when I actually started to do it. So I'd been subscribing to Writer's Magazine. I'd been, you know, paying attention to the movies that I liked. And um, so I'd been studying what makes a good novel. And so I wanted to incorporate all of the story beats. Um, I wanted to, you know, make sure that my characters were well developed. So I had, you know, full character backstories and put all that in an outline. And then I started getting some feedback. 
So I reached out to an, a couple of different editors and said, hey, here's my story. What do you think? And they said, oh, you know what? That's an awful lot like this one. Maybe you should, you know, change, consider, you know, changing this or that or the other thing. And I was like, oh, I had never even seen that thing, you know, but okay. You know, I don't want it to be just like that. Um, so I, I made, you know, some significant changes. And then once I have an outline that's pretty well baked and I've sat with it for a while, uh, then I start writing and I do about a chapter a day because there's, even though there's been a lot of research, a lot of research at the outline level, um, there's still research that happens at the chapter level. So if it's um, a place that I visited 30 years ago, but I haven't been to since, and the, the story takes place in present time, you know, I need to do some research on that particular place. Um, or, you know, or, the, you know, maybe my, you know, like the lost power opens with a sniper who's, you know, got a gun. So I've never been a sniper, so I've got to learn about, all right, what kind of gun might he have? What kind of weapon might he have had back in Russia? Um, you know, what are the different adjustments that he's going to need to make, you know, as he's lining up his shot? So there's there's research in most of the chapters that I write. So I try to do one, one chapter at a time, maybe two. Um, recently, since I've done a number of these, I've found that if I can get because I like to do different points of view. I have a number of characters um, in the Van Op series. I've got Maddie Marshall and her twin brother, Will, and a former Marine. Those are the three main protagonists. And then I've got, you know, different antagonists. And sometimes we get their point of view as well because it ups the suspense, if you know what the bad guys are thinking. Um, and so um, I, I get into their points of view and then I find I can maybe write two or three chapters at a time or really get on a roll because I'm, I'm in that character's perspective and I know what they know, you know, from what happened before. So that's one of the things I've been doing a little bit differently um, as I, you know, proceed with my writing experience. So let's talk about research because um, I know a lot of guys. I'm a veteran. I know a lot of guys that are former military and veterans, and that's where a lot of the research comes into play, combat experience, you know, experience with three-letter agencies, you know, and things mm -hmm. like that. But coming from Silicon Valley where maybe you didn't have that, how much more important is the depth of research for you? Because I think there's a stigma out there where um, – you got to have some kind of military background to write some of these thrillers or it doesn't lend credibility, which I think is false. Um, I know it helps, but as someone who mm -hmm. didn't come from that, how, how much more important to you is research and getting those details right so people feel it? I think it's absolutely important. Um, I do have some experience uh, with Aikido. And so my main protagonist, Maddie Marshall, um, is an Aikido specialist. Uh, Art, martial artist with some special skills there. Nice. Um, so I, I do have some experience with that, but um, even though my father was in the military, I've never been in the military. Um, so the way that I've uh, tried to deal with that particular gap um, is uh, through interviews and memoirs. I find that uh, the, the memoirs in particular are a great source of, of that kind of detail. Um, 
and at the end of the day, books are products of imagination. And I'm also not writing hard military thrillers. Um, and that's for a reason, right? Um, I enjoy those like Andrews and Wilson, for instance. I just um, had them on the show. Did you? Yeah. They're coming yeah. Out. I'm coming out. Well, this is going to be in the future, obviously, but they're going to be in my first mm -hmm. episode here in November. But yeah, great guys. Great guys. And, and, you know, and, and that type of authenticity is perfect for their kind of thrillers. Um, I'm writing a little bit more character driven thrillers. Um, so I, I enjoy the military thrillers. Um, sometimes, you know, kind of by definition of the genre, they're a little light on character development. Um, and I, I, yeah. And so for, for me, I'm writing, um, I find that, uh, I connect more to a story and I get more of that, um, that feeling of suspense when the author has taken the time to set the stage with the characters a little bit more. So um, I just watched The Contractor. Have you seen that movie? Who's in it? Chris Pine. I feel like I have, but I can't remember. Okay, so he's um, he's an airborne ranger who gets kicked out because he's he's got a, a wound to his knee taken in combat, and he's been taking drugs to deal with the pain. He gets kicked out, and to make ends meet for his family, he um, signs up as a contractor, a military contractor. And so the story is all about... Um, you know, him trying to do right by his family, but there's sort of a theme of the military not really taking care of its own, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and what happens to, to guys with their PTSD and with, um, you know, being uh, sort of kicked out of the military and, and what do you do with your life, right? Um, but my point with this little tangent is it's a great movie, but it was made great in my opinion because they took a little bit of time setting up the story, right? So you get to see uh, our hero, Chris Pine, uh, relating to his family and to his son. Uh, you get to see him, uh, you know, teaching his son to swim, for instance. So you get to see him really trying to be a good dad. And, and for me, when he then is in danger, right, in the great shootout scenes, um, I care more about him. Right, because you're like, oh, what about the, what about the kid? What, right, what about his kid? Uh, yeah. Um, so I like to uh, have, um, and it's a balance, right? You know, and every author does that balance of character growth and action mm -hmm. in this genre a little bit differently. And I think that's what makes us all unique is how, how much we we bring to that and, and different readers, um, you know, respond to that differently, right? You know, some readers want more action and some readers want more character growth. And so, you know, you're, I'm always kind of trying to find that, that balance of getting the reader to care for the character, making sure the character is fleshed out. But um, I'm one of those people that um, was um, an adrenaline junkie when I was younger. And I think that helps bring some authenticity to the books as well. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I just love writing action scenes for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, I have low blood pressure or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I like to feel it. You know, I like to feel that, that tension and that excitement and uh, get that, you know, little, little adrenaline rush from the story I'm writing. Do you ever go out there and do any, um, like, hands-on training? 
some of these things and try to get a little more uh, into the action? You know, um, not that long ago, yes, uh, I took a, a handgun class at our local range um, just to get a little more, you know, hands-on. My father had taught me to shoot when I was young, um, as well as, you know, shooting a bow and arrow and, and the like. And, you know, I was a pretty good shot, but I thought, you know, that's been a long time. And, you know, it'd be interesting to go out and, and check out, you know, the difference between the pistols and the semi-automatics and, and like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I've been around firearms my entire life. And of course I was in the military, but, um, there's nothing different than when your heart is pumping and you're trying to put, you know, that red dot on the target, you know, trying to go through breathing and remember, you know, all your, all your little, you know, mechanicals and the text and, 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 and the technique and trying to remember all that. And, um, it's so important to like I, I've been writing a, a series of novels. It's not published mm-hmm. yet, but uh, I I feel like I tend to go back and try to put those little things into it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, whether you feel the groove on the slide of the pistol where your thumb is, and that's how you remember your anchor point or mm-hmm. the trigger pull or or how the steel feels. You know, the the cold blue steel and things like that. I think mm-hmm. uh, lend just as much to the action because you're you're kind of getting there in the moment it's easy to say you know so and so picked up the pistol and aimed it at the bad guy you know right okay. but when you when you really get into it like she could feel the weight she knew approximately, mm-hmm. there's approximately 11 rounds in there because she'd been familiar with firearms before and it just tells you oh she's so familiar she can determine how many bullets are in a handgun because she's been so familiar with it and it lends so much depth of backstory in just like one sentence you know so right yeah that's a lot and i uh i look for me as a reader i look for details mm-hmm. like that because that mm-hmm. tells me a lot about the author and a lot about the character and i know some people who will go out there and they'll say well you know they made up some agency that doesn't even exist for this book and i'm like well yeah mm-hmm. it's fiction man <laughs> <I> yeah mean, <laughs> it, it's okay to do that you know it's, it's right. supposed to be entertaining so look at the big points did the author really do the research you know did, do they have stuff like that in the characters because that speaks a lot i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh, i did make up an, an agency for the van ops series van ops is a is a fictional agency um but some of the some of the background is based on the the a lot of things that the CIA did in the 70s. Um, I've got, uh, yeah, a little bit of uh, um, a thread of some of the experiments. So, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the stuff that's fascinated me. Um, So the CIA in the 70s was running experiments on remote killing, Mm -hmm. um, psychic spying, stuff like that and uh, things science can't explain. And, and that's what Van Ops is all about. You know, they're um, out there trying to uh, stop obscure threats. Um, so the first book is about Alexander the Great's mysterious Egyptian weapon. You know, my thought was, well, you know, did, did the guy conquer, you know, the known world on his own, or could he have had some, you know, funky um, weapon, uh, you know, that was, um, you know, made partially from a meteorite? Uh, you know, so so my work is definitely not you know classic um, shoot 'em up bang bang, but it 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 veers off into that Tomb Raider, uh, Indiana Jones um, kind of speculative fiction. Um, just, the third book, cool. um, 
yeah so it's so it's it's intended to be fun right yeah so let's talk about um let's talk about the first book lost power um when it came out it was immediately a barnes and noble bestseller um what was your reaction like when you finally got published and that first one hit and then it just kind of shot up what was it like <laughs> I was over the moon. I remember the moment um, I had just done a, a book signing at, at Barnes and Noble and um, got back home and, and checked the, you know, checked my phone to see, you know, how it was selling. And I'd been, um, uh, when, when you're traditionally published, it's hard to know kind of exactly how many books you're selling. Um, but I'd been doing some advertising and could see that some of my ads were hitting, you know, particularly the the Tomb Raider meets Da Vinci Code struck a chord with people. And so I could see that it was, um, you know, the pre-sales were, were doing well. And so when I when I saw that, you know, bestseller banner, I couldn't believe it. You know, I was I was literally jumping up and down. It was crazy. So let's talk about Lost Power. Um... In a nutshell, tell us what it's a little bit about without giving it away. Yeah, so it's it was my intention to make it a little bit of a prequel. So I had intended the Van Op series to, um, you know, be focused around this uh, agency that was focused on obscure threats, and I wanted to start with a couple of people that were young people who weren't who did not have that military background. Um, you know, because I don't have that military background, right? So we start out with uh, Maddie Marshall. She's an app designer in San Francisco, and she's um, she's an Aikido black belt, though. So she's totally into nonviolence and trying to, um, you know, Aikido is a form of martial arts that's about peaceful resolution. And so that's, that's her background. Um, her brother, Will, who she hasn't spoken with really much since high school, is down in Brazil. He's working as an engineer. He's married a, a Brazilian woman living on a boat, and he's um, he's an engineer. And uh, the story begins with their father calling them to the Napa Valley Vineyard um, because something's up, and they don't really know what. Um, Maddie's just broken up with her boyfriend, um, and so she's kind of too distracted to really know you know what's up. Dad just left a message. Um, Will shows up with his wife. Um, and Maddie brings uh, a foster kid from the dojo that she and her um, ex-boyfriend were thinking about adopting. So he's this, you know, cute little red-haired kid with big ears. Um, so they all show up at the vineyard. Well, meanwhile, there's a sniper. Uh, one of Russia's best snipers is in the barn. But Maddie and Will don't know this, so they have kind of... Uh, you know, growly kind of homecoming made even more growly by the fact that Maddie confesses that she had a nightmare the night before, um, that um, she's had a couple of nightmares in the past that have actually come true. Uh, one when their mother was killed when they were children, and occasionally this happens to her throughout her life, and the night before she had this um, nightmare about Will's wife and sort of blood splattered like a Pollock painting. And so they have this sort of awkward homecoming, and as they're going in to see what dad wants, shots break out. 
um, and they hear the sound of breaking glass. They run into the living room. They find uh, Dad and Maria are both shot. So Will's wife and their father are both shot and on the living room floor. And so these are people who are not trained to deal with this kind of thing. You know, these are just normal people who all of a sudden, oh my God, their father's been shot. So, you know, they rush to, she rushes to their dad. He rushes to Maria. Maria's gone. So they both, you know, go to their dad and um, their dad with his dying breath tells them to go see uh, the attorney in Sacramento. And they're like, what the F, you know, why, what, you know, <laughs> Okay, dad, you know, so they, <laughs> right, go see the attorney. So on the way to see the attorney, uh, they start getting shot at. So it, it shifts from, uh, okay, why did somebody kill dad to why is somebody shooting at us? Working on a podcast often means late nights editing, preparing for guests, and constant marketing. I need something reliable great tasting, and of course, veteran-owned to keep me fueled and at my best. And red, white, and badass brew coffee keeps me rolling. It doesn't matter if it's a long night of writing, preparing for the next podcast episode, or just that first hot cup in the morning. These guys have my back. Check them out today at redwhiteandbadassbrew.com and find out why their brews are as bold as the American spirit. And they have no idea right and so they basically have to go off grid because they're they don't really trust the police they're not sure what's going on um so they head up to lake tahoe where they meet um a, a former marine who they went to high school with so they had gone to high school up in tahoe maddie was uh, a near olympian skier and so they meet um, Bear Thornston, who's a former Marine, and what they don't know is that he's um, working for Van Ops. And so, so everybody's got an agenda. Um, you know, they they grab the letter from the attorney, and it tells them so they're the they're actually descendants of uh, the royal line in Spain. Oh. Okay, and so they have to go over to Spain and meet the king. And they find out something that is passed on um, at the passing of every generation. So there's a, a quest that members of the royal family can, can go on to basically find Alexander the Great's mysterious weapon. And nobody's found it in centuries. And, and Maddie's brother, Will, is, um, he's kind of a skeptic. He's like, oh, yeah, that's a bunch of crap. You know, why are we even doing this? You know, and Maddie and Bear are like, oh, come on, Will. You know, and meanwhile, they're getting shot at the whole time. Um, so, so they have to go on this quest to try to find Alexander the Great's mysterious weapon. And, and pretty soon they realize that the Russians uh, are also trying to find it. So that lends some credibility to the fact that it might actually exist. Um, so, so that's pretty much what the story's about is, you know, trying to evade the snipers and find Alexander the Great's mysterious Egyptian weapon before the Russians do, before they, you know, get killed. Without giving away a spoiler, I'm assuming that these snipers are involved in some kind of agency or country that is trying to kind of keep them from discovering this and figuring it out on their own? Yeah, Russia. Okay, Russia yeah. specifically. Russia, okay. yes. Okay, yes. nothing like being hunted by the Russians. Exactly. Everybody's worst nightmare, you know. Um, 
especially when you have, you know, so Bear was a Marine, so that, that kind of helps, you know, and gives them some semblance of, of comfort that, okay, but, but, you know, Maddie and Will both have no weapons training, right? So Bear tries to get Will to learn to, you know, shoot, throw knives, use something. Um, and Will's like, I'm an engineer, you know, I use my brain. And, and Bear's like, okay, but, you know, right now we're being hunted by Russians, so it would be good for you to learn something else. Um, so, you know, he tries to teach them both to, you know, use weapons and uh, Will eventually figures out how to, he finds he has sort of a penchant for knives. Um, Maddie, meanwhile, is, so there's a little bit of an underlying theme about, you know, violence and nonviolence in the first book because Maddie's coming from this background of, you know, Aikido and uh, has a little bit of a Pollyanna sort of, well, can't we all get along kind of thing, you know. Um, Not what the Russians are shooting at. No, exactly. So, so she's she's got to kind of work through that a little bit. Um, yeah. Very cool. So it blows up. Immediate Barnes over bestseller. You, you win some awards, and then Solstice Shadows, the second book in the Van Op series, comes out, wins more awards, and then are you thinking, all right, I'm two for two. This is awesome. Um, what is what is kind of going through your head when you're like, I have a successful series on my hands? Um, so I think it's, you know, the the second book carried right off of the first book. You know, in some ways it was it was a sequel. Um, you know, some of the things they find at the end of the first book, um, you know, they they have and are keeping safe. And you know, meanwhile, um, the Van Ops director has talked Maddie into joining Van Ops um, and Will both. So so now they're um, you know fledgling, you know, covert operatives. Right. Um, and so they, um, you know, so the second story kind of takes off from there. So so the second story was kind of easy for me to write. Um, and then I was like, oh, geez. OK, so now what? You know, because, you know, you can kind of only take that so far. So it it took me a minute to kind of get my head around where I wanted the series to go with the third book. Um, so the Doomsday Medallion um, turned out really well, but it's um, it, it was a little bit of a, a challenge for me to figure out, OK, so where do we go now? Um, so I decided to dig into their background. Um, I mentioned earlier that their mom died when they were young. And so we kind of go back in time a little bit to um, figure out, okay, was her death really an accident or not? Um, so we find out some of the, the origins of Van Ops and, and what was going on at the time. And it turns out that mom was um, actually working for the CIA uh, before Van Ops was created and she was trying to find, so she was working at that time when um, the CIA was doing LSD experiments, when they were, you know, doing remote viewing experiments, when they were doing remote killing experiments. And so the kind of, you know, big speculative leap in the third book is, well, um, what if somebody came up with some new information about how Nostradamus told the future? And what kind of, you know, military advance would that be if you knew what the military was going to do, right? Um, knew about drones before drones were drones? Yeah. Or even, so where we take the third book is um, Taiwan and China. 
Okay, so gosh, that's not in the news at all. Um, so, so the way the third book starts is we have a young girl. She's a 16-year-old girl in France um, who is the descendant of Nostradamus, and she predicts that China invades an outlying outlying island. Oh wow! Oh wow! That's right. Gone. So everybody's like, okay, how did she do that? Yeah. Nobody, knew, you know, it wasn't part of the American military, you know, intel. No, no comms, no nothing. Nobody knew about it. So the Van Ops director's like, holy crap! The 16-year-old girl just predicted this, you know, military uh, invasion. And is China going to invade the actual island of Taiwan next? What are they going to do? You know, um, we don't want to get pulled into that. We need to know what their next move is. Um, and so will Maddie and Bear get tasked with, you know, finding the 16-year-old girl and seeing how she was able to do this. Um, and so by the time they get to France, she's missing, um, kidnapped. And so they have to find her. And then they have to follow some cryptic clues from, you know, Nostradamus to track down his formula for how he was able to tell the tell the future so that one turned out to be um to be a lot of fun sounds fun now do you ever go travel to some of these locations that you uh, wrote about i traveled a lot more when i was younger um so like a lot of the places in solstice shadows the lost power and the doomsday medallion i've been to a lot of them a lot of those books are taking place either in central america or europe um, places that i had the opportunity to see um, on some of my earlier travels um, so when i have the opportunity absolutely you know i i go um, but i don't think because I do so many different locations in my books, I don't usually just set a book in Paris. Right. Um, you know, it. Um, so like the Doomsday Medallion has settings in, um, you know, the south of France. Uh, there's one of the longest action scenes I've written to date takes place in the south of France um, near places that I did actually get to, to go see. Um, um, Monaco and Nice and and some of those you know uh, uh, Marseille the the port towns right along the southern Mediterranean um, so it it it's kind of funny I didn't intend to have this action scene be quite as long as it it was but uh, it ended up being like I don't know, five or six chapters of you know the you know the protagonist versus the antagonists. Uh, so that was that was a lot of fun, um, and so that was you know because I had been there, uh, you know I was able to do some some research again on what's it like today, you know what is Marseille like today, yeah. and uh, be able to pull in those you know authentic details. So I find that um, you know my uh, traveling expertise really helps with the the globe trotting aspects. You know just like you were talking about the the heavy military thrillers, you know bring in a lot of those details about you know weapons for instance. So my books bring in a lot more details about places and people and um, uh, you know some of the the action that's that's happening happening like that. So the third book Doomsday Medallion came out in March of 2022 correct? Yes. So not quite a year old. Um, by the time everybody listens to this episode, um, Cleopatra's Vendetta, which is not a Van Ops story, right? 
Right. Yeah. It's um, so somewhere along the way, I decided I wanted to branch out a little bit um, and and write a, a thriller that didn't have some of that um, uh, more. Um, uh, I don't know uh, the so some of that more east meets west kind of you know uh, I don't want to say supernatural but the metaphysical perhaps mm -hmm. so there's there's definitely a, a metaphysical thread that runs through Van Ops um, you know um, there's the the Alexander's weapon, which is um, uh, able to be used by by using Maddie's martial arts skills, mm -hmm. right? So because Maddie has these special martial arts skills, she's eventually able to use the weapon. Um, so I decided I wanted to write um, a, a thriller or the start of a series that didn't have that aspect, that was a little bit more traditional. Okay, um, and so I created uh, Tim and Angie Stryker, um, and Tim is, um, he's a special ops leader for um, the Futures um, group in part of the Army um, uh, Futures group that's focused on uh, futuristic threats. So he's a special ops leader, um, and his team is made up of a bunch of misfits that uh, the sort of pre-9-11, the military wouldn't have taken and probably still wouldn't today. Um, but I wanted to have a, a team that um, was kind of bonded over some of their differences, right? So Stryker is, he's really OCD, um, his uh, his father killed his mother when he was young, and he's developed a, a pretty strong sense of um, OCD. Um, he's got a, a fellow, um, his best friend Ray, uh, who's dealing with PTSD and has really strong smells um, and kind of an acute sense of hearing. Um, they've got a, a, a charming um, additional uh, member of their team named Samantha or Sam um, and she's uh, sort of an overt bisexual woman um, who can charm anybody right um, so they all have kind of these aspects to themselves that are just a little bit misfit right they're just a little bit off the norm um, Samantha is sisters with Stryker's wife Angie so Angie runs a biofuels company She's a CEO. She's a self-made woman um, and runs a biofuels company that has contracts with with the army and, and futures command. Um, and their their infant son passed away about a year before the story starts. And since that time, they have been just at each other's throats. Tim and Angie. They've just been fighting like cats and dogs. And Angie's been um, drinking to deal with this. So she's uh, drinking too much, in Stryker's opinion. And so that's a big bone of contention between the two of them. And they have a four-year-old daughter. And so they, they finally decide, all right, we're going to go to Bari, Italy for a vacation. Um, we've got some of our friends are getting married. So we're going to, you know, try to do an olive branch and go on this holiday. 
and they bring um, Sam because she also knew the bride and groom. Um, and they get over there, and the story actually opens when um, Stryker and Ray are in Saudi Arabia because they got pulled off of the family vacation. There's been um, a bunch of assassinations that are happening around the world. These global leaders are getting picked off like uh, hillbilly tin cans, um, you know. Boop, 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 just getting, you know, knocked off. And nobody knows why all these leaders are getting kicked off. So Stryker gets pulled off of his vacation. He's guarding um, the prince of uh, one of the princes in Saudi Arabia. And that prince gets assassinated at the end of the first chapter. Um, and so while Stryker's over there dealing with that, Angie goes out for drinks with the girls um, after lunch and gets kidnapped. She and her daughter um, get uh, their victims of some roofies in the in the drinks and this uh, cult kidnaps them. Um, Sam was did not go out to lunch. She's a gambler also. Um, so she was out, you know, throwing some dice and or playing some cards. So so now Strikers, um, he gets assigned to, you know, his his leadership says, all right, well, you can go try to figure out, you know, the kidnapping because it's your wife. Um, and so he's trying to track her down. Um, and they're still trying to figure out why all these world leaders are getting assassinated. And pretty soon they figure out that there's a relationship between the two things. Um, and part of what's going on is the cult that kidnapped them uh, traces their lineage all the way back to before the time of Cleopatra. And Octavian, who was Cleopatra's mortal enemy, was the leader of the cult at the time. And so Cleopatra hid some treasure, and with that she hid the location of the cult. And the cult um, has been in, on the same island for 2,000 years. Um, the son of the cult leader has been trying to get the leader to move, um, but he's like, no, look, we've been here for 2,000 years. Nobody knows where we're at. We're safe. Moving would be a pain. Um, so Stryker and his team have to find the map that Cleopatra left um, at the end of her reign in order to get his family back and in order to um, stop the assassination of the next world leader, which happens to be either the president or the vice president. They're not sure which. So kind of an interesting, you know, combination of there's still some Dan Brown stuff in there, but also some like Mission Impossible, yeah. a little bit of, you know, Taken, um, and, uh, you know, perhaps some, some Tomb Raider in there as well. So, so yeah, that one was a lot of fun. So what's next? What's uh, we're gonna get another Van Ops book in 2023, or what's the next plan? You know that is a great question. I've been working on one of those stories that my subconscious wants me to write, but my marketing brain doesn't want to write because it doesn't align with either of these series, and it's more of a domestic thriller um, and kind of more a heist novel. And so my cr creative side is like, oh, yeah, this is really fun. Da, 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 da. And my marketing side's like, but wait, we've got, you know, these two other worlds that we should be writing in. Um, so I've been, 
Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly. I've been kind of uh, with all the marketing uh, and and the like for Cleopatra's Vendetta. I've been taking a little bit of a step back from uh, the creative side to you know get get this new book out into the world, and then I'm going to go back and and look at that heist book and see if I want to finish it off. Um, excuse me, see if it's worthwhile, or I've got some ideas for both uh, the next Fan Ops book and, and perhaps the next Stryker novel. You know, it's pretty hard to follow up Cleopatra, so I'm, I'm still not sure if that one's going to end up being a standalone. I do like uh, Stryker and Angie and the whole Futures Command. I think that there's a lot of futuristic threats um, that could be dealt with. Uh, Cleopatra's Vendetta deals with deep fake technology. Um, yeah, which, um, you know, I'm seeing every day on Twitter, you know, such and such was fabricated. You know, it's just it's really not real what you're seeing that the president is doing or, you know, so so I think Cleopatra's Vendetta is timely in, in a number of ways. You know, not only does it deal with deep fake technology, but also the Iranian revolution that's happening right now. Yes. Um, you know, it kind of goes into uh, some of that, although uh, protesting in Saudi Arabia rather than Iran. Um, so there's, you know, no lack of, uh, you know, futuristic threats, you know, and or those kind of fun, obscure threats that science can't explain. So I've got some ideas for, for both of those series, but uh, for whatever reason, my muse is kind of stuck on this, uh, prison break heist novel (laughs) just gotta roll with it right i might yeah i might just roll with it so if people want to find out more about you uh the new book and the van ops series where can they go the best place to go is vanops.net which um is a lot shorter and easier to remember than avantisentre.com. So vanops.net points over to avantisentre.com, and from there people can watch. I've got some pretty cool cool trailers up on the website where people can, you know, just watch a a quick, you know, minute-long video to get a pretty good feel for what the books are all about. Or like you did this morning, they can download the first six chapters of The Lost Power to see see if it's for them. Um, they can also go to my contact me page and shoot me an email or uh, head on over to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, any of those social media platforms. Um, so, yeah, I love to hear from fans and um, would like to hear what people think of my work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for coming on. The Van Op series seems very, very interesting. Like I said, I added it to my uh amazon list of things to read and uh definitely going to dive into some of it in 2023 so i appreciate you coming on i'm very interested in the story so we'll have to do this again when you do van ops 4 that'll be your little uh motivation 